That sound good? I was like, dude, do you have to preach again this Sunday? What is that? <laughs> a couple things really quickly. Um, first and foremost, there's been a note in the, in the bulletin the last couple weeks. I haven't said much about it, but I just want to kind of inform you. Uh, we're having a Christmas Eve service this, this year from 5 to 6.30. Here's what, our, here's, what our, here's what our thought was. How can we pull this entire church together at one place at one time? And we're talking kids and everybody going to have a big family Christmas shindig. Would you guys like to have one, something like that, where we worship Jesus and all of that? On Christmas Eve from 5 to 6, we will be having a, a Christmas gathering that will be our Christmas service this year at the Madison on the Lake, and it's beautiful. We could have had a hard time finding a place, honestly, that would hold us, that would, that would open up on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. We tried to do shoot for Christmas Day. Nobody wanted to be open on Christmas Day. Nobody. And then, then Madison told us, hey, we will... Uh, you guys are Christian people, and we like that. We normally wouldn't open on Christmas Eve, but if you guys want to come use our place, we'd love to have you. And we're like, all right. So we're going to gather all together in one spot to worship our Father, our, our Savior, our King, all in one place. And details will be coming, so I just want you to mark your calendars. We'll get in 5, 6, 30, and you can go do your family shindig on Christmas Eve and all that kind of stuff and, and worship Jesus all at the same time. All right, is that cool? Uh, a. Stevens going to be here next week. That's important for you to know because if I ever met a person I thought resembled the, the person of apostle, the, uh, the apostle Paul in the Bible, he's him. Sold out everything to follow Jesus, the family. Every, God's done amazing things through him. He, he will be here. He's actually coming to town on Tuesday. We're going to have him with us all week long. He's going to be at Skip Cousins' church on Wednesday night. Uh, he, he, Pastor Eric and Skip took a trip in November of 2007. Is that right, Jeanette? The last, last mission trip Pastor got to go on was with A. Stephen and Pastor Skip Cousins. And so we are excited to have A here. He's a, he's a neat fella. And uh, I told the group, some of you guys operate connection groups or whatever, and you want to have him here, if you want to move your group to one night after Tuesday evening, Tuesday evening or later, and not Wednesday night because he'll be at Skip's church, we'll, we'll, we'll send him to your place. You get your group together, want to have him speak to your crew, that'd be awesome. Okay, we'll let you do that. Um, so he's next week. There's something in the bulletin about the Good Morning Bethlehem, our Christmas musical this year. It says in the bulletin, refreshments will be served after afterward in the cafe. That's the wrong statement. It's before. We'll be having like a fellowship ahead of time, then come in here for the musical and get the gospel. How's that? Is that cool? Um, so check that out. I think that's all for me. Well, I got to do something really special. There's times where I know most of the time, a lot of you, I won't say most, a lot of you are like, dude, we hate change. How many would you like to agree? Like, dude, change is horrible. Don't like change. Okay, then we'll have a, we'll have a, we, okay, at the end of the service, we'll have an altar call for people who are lying. Well, I know you all better than that. Change is not easy. I know, I know. People are like, people are like is, he, is he talking to me? And you half put your hand up. But you're like, I'm not going to say that. I don't want him to see me do that. Okay, it's honest. We do it. But sometimes change is good. We've got a couple of changes we need to make you aware of today, which are, to me are really awesome. I can't, I'm just kind of, uh, I'm about jumping out of my skin, really. And, um, and so I'm going to ask Nancy Carter and Jeanette Van Buskirk, two of our board members, to come join me here. And I'm also going to ask for William Webb to come and bring his lovely wife, Latanya, alongside of him uh, to, to join us up here. And here's why. Back in the summer, we had met as a board and decided we wanted to add a, a, a new person to our board. 
And then I told you guys a few weeks ago that Bill Whitfield was feeling nudged to pursue some other things. So this was already in the works. This is not a replacement thing. We actually hopefully intended to add William uh, to our board, and he and his wife have are amazing servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. They are an asset. How many of you guys like Secret Church? You guys have a good time at Secret Church? The reason I pointed her is because without Secret Church, that, without, without, without LaTanya, Secret Church doesn't happen. That's a, that's a promise. Huh? And Thomas. Okay, he's a technological, she, she coordinated all of it. She took, I mean, I did not, we had planned this conference we went to this week, and then later found out that Secret Church was going to be this weekend. And so I'm like, hey, LaTanya, um, I'm going to be gone, but Secret Church is happening. You want to do it again? Yeah, Pastor, I'll do it. And so she did it after she prayed for a couple of days, and uh, she made it happen. And so we're blessed to have them. They've been group leaders forever, and uh, literally, haven't you? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> And so they have been amazing assets to us at Church Trumpet. I, I love them all, like I love my own self almost, and they've been assets to us. I thought, that's a commandment, isn't it? My wife's like, Anna didn't sound very good. <laughs> almost is not a commandment. To love your neighbor almost as you love yourself is not what Jesus says. Is that, is that right? Huh? My wife always catches me saying stupid stuff. And she's the one I can always read her face and know I just said something stupid. Then I have to rehash real quick and go, that was dumb. Babe, will you join us up here too, please? We're going to pray for uh, William and LaTanya and set them aside as board members. William will serve, and we're going to work around with him, and I can't wait to see what happens at that point. And uh, we're just going to see what happens. So would you join us here in the middle, and we're going to pray. I want you guys to, to participate with us and extend your hands this way as we set them aside for ministry. William's sweating already. I don't know if he thinks it's going to be work or, or what. Yeah. Father. We just pray, we just praise you, Jesus, first and foremost. God, as I think of William and LaTanya, God, I thank Jesus. I thank Jesus of, of, of the blessing they are to us. God, as I, I recall, Lord, as I prayed in the first service, God, Ephesians 4 tells us, God, that you gave gifts to men. And they materialized, God, in the forms of other men and, and women, God, called to particular ministries, Jesus. And so, God, we know that they are that for us. And, God, we pray your blessing and your strength over them. God, we pray, Father God, they would walk in the power of your spirit, that, Lord Jesus, your joy and your peace, God, would be upon them, God. And I pray, Jesus, William would serve and he would serve well, God. I pray, Father God, he would, he would be a voice of truth speaking, God, at just the right time. God, I pray, God, he'd operate in wisdom and knowledge and understanding. God, I'm grateful, God, because I know, Lord Jesus, that they, they understand what you're saying. They understand your direction. And, and your vision, God, and your mission. And Lord, I pray, Father God, they would, they just, just help us navigate the waters, Lord. I, I praise you, Jesus, for bringing him to church triumphant. I know, Lord God, your plan is huge. Your plan is great. And God, with great joy and great expectation, God, we set them aside. We lay hands on them, God, as your word demands. And, 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 and pray, God, they would fulfill every calling, every purpose, God, you've ordained for them to walk in. God, we pray your blessing and your joy and your peace over them as they walk with you, God. And serve us well, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If this were Ernie Morris, I'd ask for a belly bump. <laughs> I appreciate you, brother. Yeah. I want you guys to stay, all of you stay right here, because there's another thing we have to do, which is really cool. I'm going to ask for Chad and Amy Burnett to come forward. As I was, uh, well, I'm going to do it again. We're going to spend time with Chad and Amy this week. A lot of time. And when I sat with them this week, I felt like, I told everybody first service, I felt like I stepped out of my skin and turned around and looked backwards at my life. I heard them say things, Rachel, and I would have said 10 years ago, leading youth ministry. 
And that was priceless to me. I sat outside of a church called Watermark Church on a, on a, on a sidewalk on a piece of concrete, eating a, eating a box lunch. I just heard them talk. My heart just leaped. I just sat there and just listened. I didn't say anything for a long time. just listened to what was being said. They didn't probably know I was paying attention. And I heard them say things like, our kids. And they weren't talking about the four that actually are biologically theirs. They were talking about like this whole crew kind of sitting here in the middle, right, right, right here. And it was a blessing to me. And so they've been actually, they stepped in to fill a role because we needed help. Didn't really know exactly what Jesus was doing and where he was leading. And since that point, they've gone from leading a, a small group at their house that was just a handful to now they had to bring it out to the church. And now they're watching kids grow and have almost 40 or 50 kids every Sunday morning meeting over there. And they've just been faithful and true and their heart beats with the passion of Jesus. And so we want to set them aside to run with that thing and go with it. And so we're going to do that. We're grateful. We're going to lay hands on you. We're going to pray for you and ask God to do whatever he wants with you, which is kind of scary. All right. Just letting you know. You don't know where the end's road is going to end up. So we want to, I want you guys to join around me. Same thing. I want you guys to participate as we, as we set them aside for ministry. Are you ready? I want to say something about both of these, these, these couples. If you read 1 Timothy chapter 3, it talks about the requirements of people who take on a leadership role in the church. Right here. All, all four of them I'm looking at right here fulfill those, those, those things. And that's priceless. It doesn't talk a lot about skill, which they, they all have, actually, honestly. They have a lot of, but it's not, the stuff God asks for is character and those sorts of things. And that's sitting, standing right here in front of us. All right, so let's lay hands on Chad and Amy and let's pray. Jesus, God, as a leadership team, God, we, we praise you, Jesus, for what you've sent us. God, we're grateful, Father God, that you have people, God, who have your heart, who have your desire, God, who are following you, God, with all of their being, Jesus. And I pray, God, your grace and your mercy, God, would be upon them. Lord, I pray, Father God, they would, that the Chad and Amy, God, would just follow you with a reckless abandon, God. And I pray, Father God, they would find you meeting them everywhere, everywhere. Lord, I pray the power of your Holy Spirit would accompany all that they do. Lord, I pray, Jesus, they would listen and be obedient, God, even to things that seem crazy and, and odd and all that, Lord. And I pray, God, they would just find you meeting them. Lord, I pray the hearts of kids, God, would be changed. And we pray, God, you'd give them the lost. You'd give us the lost, God. You'd give us, God, the, the hurting. You'd give us the orphaned, Jesus, God. You'd give us, God, all of those kinds of people, God, who just are looking for hope, looking for help, looking for life, looking for joy, God. And God, Lord, you, you distribute it, God, through these two. God, we thankful, we're thankful for that, Lord. And I pray your blessing and your joy. God, when, when, when Paul laid hands on Timothy, he said, he told him, recall the gifts that was laid, laid on him with the laying on of hands of the presbytery. Lord, I, I pray, Jesus, that Chad and Amy would, this, in this moment, receive impartation, God, from this, this leadership structure around them, God, and they would walk out. Lord, I, I praise you, Jesus, for them. God, I just I honor you and I thank you, God, for doing your work in them and through them, God. Chad, Amy, I didn't say this in the first service, but I was sitting here worshiping, and I, I just feel like I see you guys building a bridge and one plank at a time, making sure it's a, it's appropriate spot, making, making sure that it's right where it needs to be. It's the right length, the right width, the right everything, and then nudging it and kind of kicking it until it fits just right. God recognizes your effort, and you are going somewhere. And there's a place to get to that you're not quite to yet, but there's a place to get to. And you are doing it together. I see one on one end and one on the other, nudging that little board into place, making it sure it goes. And it, 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 it's a bridge that others can walk on. I want you to know that. There's a bridge that others will follow and arrive at the destination. 
God, we bless you for them. And we pray, God, that bridge would be built. It would be built to the glory of God and the goodness and the, and the, and the good of his kingdom, Jesus. Lord, we bless you and we honor you and we thank you, Jesus, for them. In your great name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's give God a hand. I think we are. I, I, I missed a memo. I, I, told, I told Mary and Nancy were both dressed in gray and black, and Jeanette's got black and gray on, and I somehow I missed that. Look at William and Latanya. I mean, I somehow, somehow I missed that, that, that page. Um, wow, God's good. Are you happy? Are you sure? Are you pursuing happiness? Think before you answer that question. I don't want anybody getting under condemnation from this point on. Don't be, the Bible says be slow to listen and slow to speak. I mean, quick to listen, slow to, is that right? Help me out there. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to wrath, right? Let me say one other thing. I said this in the first, we're going we're gonna to read some quotes from a, from a couple of four founding fathers of our country here in just a minute, and it reminds me. Tuesday is election day. And I know, like, there's nothing real big, huge going on, but there is something real big, huge going on. All right, now listen to me. As a follower of Jesus, you are obligated to do the best you can for the nation he's given you to live in and to help out in whatever way you can. And if you are of voting age, I don't want no excuses about why you're not voting. In fact, there are voter registration things I was just told somebody brought in. You have, now you have zero excuse. They're out there, they're out there at, the, at the Welcome Center. I don't want to hear nothing like I didn't go vote. I didn't have time. I didn't, listen, your nation is more, should be more important to you than just to slough, slough off on that and go do something else on Tuesday. And I got a busy day Tuesday myself. I'm honest, I'm, but I'm, I'm making time. I got some things that popped up that I just got, you know, just the way it's going to be. But be, be a participant, not a spectator. The reason America's in the place it's in is because Christians have chose to spectate rather than to participate. That's my soapbox for today. Veterans, thank you, wherever you are. Thank you so much. I appreciate your sacrifice to make sure we can stay free and, be, and talk about the things we're about to talk about. Thank you, thank you, thank you. In, a, in, a, in our Declaration of Independence, our founding document as a nation, you will find these words. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator. I'm going to stop right there for just a minute. You want to try and remove God from the equation? You absolutely can't. Because if you remove God from the equation of America, the foundation falls apart. He's right here in the founding lines of, 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 of our, the founding of our, of our country, okay? So all of you who want to like to kick him to the curb and you got friends, you tell him it's absolutely impossible. You want the nation to crumble? Let's move him out of the way. And that'll happen. This is not actually a political message, I promise. And down with their by certain with certain unalienable rights that among them are, I want you to repeat with me because you know them, life, come on, big loud, life, liberty, and the pursuit, happiness. You guys got it. Right here in our family, there, there's some things built in right here. Uh, I want to make something clear. We are guaranteed the right to pursue happiness. We are not guaranteed the ability to achieve it. Don't you catch that? We are guaranteed, there's a lot of things on our nation that think we have certain, because we just exist, we got certain things coming to us. 
you know I'm telling the truth. And because we just exist, we, this is we have the right to pursue it. There's no guarantee in this document about actually achieving that. Do you hear what I'm saying? And so we, we, are, we are here uh, to, to, to decipher what this pursuit of happiness is. How, let me ask you a question, and this is rhetorical, and you can answer if you want to. Is happiness something we should really build our foundation of our life on? That's a good answer. But you're cheating because you were here first service. That's a good answer because it's not. We can't, we can't build our lives. Let me, let me, let me, let me quote you some, some, some things and just think about what the, what, 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 the, what the content is here. Nothing's more fatal to happiness than the remembrance of happiness. You know, how it used to be. You're doing okay until you see that one picture or, you know, remember that one time and everything's good and then all of a sudden it's not good enough. You know what I mean? Also, no, I'm not very happy. How about this one? The search for happiness is one of the chief sources of unhappiness. It's I like this one. It's pretty hard to tell what, what does bring happiness. Poverty and wealth have both failed. Happiness is like Coke. It's something you get as a byproduct in the process of making something else. How about, how about Ben Franklin? I like this one. Hang on. Wait for this one. The happiest people seem to be those who have no particular cause for being happy, except that they are so. Those are going to that good. But Ben Franklin said these words Money never made a man happy, nor will it. There is nothing in, the, in its nature to produce happiness. The more a man has, the more he wants. Instead of, of it filling, it's filling a vacuum, it makes one. If it satisfies one want, it doubles and trebles the want another way. That was a true proverb of the wise men. Rely upon it. Then he quotes scripture. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble therewith. Happiness is something we have a hard time. I, I thought about myself when I think about this, the idea of happiness. At one point in my time, I thought, man, owning my own home is where it's at, man. Owning my own place, having my own little yard and my own little thing going on. That, that is where happiness resides, you know. Then I found out i got to mow the grass. Then I found out that if the washer breaks down, i got to fix the washer. If I, gotta, I would love nothing more at this moment. If I didn't have four kids, I would, I would straight up right now move back into an apartment complex. Ah, I promise. That, I'm telling the truth. I would call some other dude and say, dude, hey, the furnace is out, bro. Come, come take care of it. Dude, the weeds in front of the house are a little bit ridiculous. I mean that for real. And so there was this, this idea of happiness I thought I had. I watched my kids. My kids could be perfectly content with a book or a toy, and there could be one laying in the middle of the yard or the middle of the front living room or something all day long. And they're completely content and happy until what happens? Another one of their brothers or sisters or a cousin or a friend walks over and tries to snatch that one up that nobody's been playing with anyway. Then everybody's unhappy. That's mine. No, it's mine. Ah, you know, and all that stuff. Because happiness, they think they're happy at one point in time, but they're not. We're not. We aren't. You get what I'm saying? We all chase after happiness. We think happiness will be in a house. We think happiness will be in a job. We think happiness will be in a spouse. We think all this stuff, and, and we keep chasing it, but we can't catch it. it like it runs. Like, don't be mad at me, okay, please. If, if I go home this afternoon and Rachel makes the most amazing dish that I love desperately, 
Okay? I'm going to be a happy dude, man. I'm going to be straight up smiling from ear to ear. Teeth will be gleaming. Well, maybe depending on what it is. And I'll be happy. If I come home tomorrow and that same dish is in front of me, I'm going to go, oh, hey, babe, that's, that's good. That was really good yesterday. Thanks. That was good, good, good. Tuesday, I'm like, ah, Wednesday, Thursday. We get to Friday and Saturday. I'm still eating that. Papa ain't so happy anymore. You get, you get what I mean. Because happiness is like this thing that's kind of weird. You can't catch it. It's like that detective who's chasing that criminal. and He set the perfect trap. No matter what he does, somehow that guy eludes the trap and escapes. And there he is left with trying to figure out what to do next. We're like, we're like that. We're trying to catch that thing we can't catch. It's funny. There's this guy in the Scripture named Solomon. He was the wisest dude that ever lived, the Scriptures tell us. He had everything. He talked to us a little bit about happiness. And that sort of thing. Look, look at Ecclesiastes chapter 2 with me real quick. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, starting in verse 1. I said to myself, I'll be reading from the New Living Translation if you're trying to follow me. I said to myself, come on, let's try pleasure. Let's look for the good things in life. But I found that this too was meaningless. So I said, laughter is silly. What good does it do to seek pleasure? After much thought, I decided to cheer myself with wine. And while still seeking wisdom, I clutched foolishness. In this way, I tried to experience the only happiness most people find during their brief life in this world. The bottom of a bottle. I also tried to find meaning by building huge homes for myself and by planting beautiful vineyards. I made gardens and parks, filling them with all kinds of fruit trees. I built reservoirs to collect the water to irrigate my many flourishing groves. I bought slaves, both men and women, and others were born into my household. I also owned large herds and flocks, more than any of the kings who had lived in Jerusalem before me. I collected great sums of silver and gold, the treasure of many kings and provinces. I hired wonderful singers, both men and women. Would that be cool or what? Dude, I'm kind of, instead of just walking through the CD player and clicking, or the, or the iPod clicking, you've got singers like, dude, hit me a tune. I'm feeling kind of low today. Would that be awesome? Yo, John, come over and slap that bass a little bit, all right? Let's. Get Seth over there in the drum cage. Let's, 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 let's rock this out. I'm feeling kind of rough right now. Patrick, bang on them keyboards, buddy. Give me a tune. The dude had that. That's, I don't know for you, that straight up blows up an iPod to pieces to me. I don't know. I mean, I dig technology, but to have like your own band that's just there to sing for you when you want to? Really? How amazing would that be? Huh? I'm like, Jim, if, if I don't light your fire, your wood's wet. You know what I mean? Here he is, has all this stuff. He goes, I had women and women singers. I had many beautiful concubines. I had everything a man could desire, exclamation point. Couldn't find happiness. So I became, I became greater than all who had lived in Jerusalem before me, and my wisdom never failed me. Anything I wanted, I would take. I denied myself no pleasure. I even found great pleasure in hard work. Look at that. And a reward for all my labors. He said, but as I looked at everything I had worked so hard to accomplish, it was all so meaningless, like chasing the wind. There was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. Happiness, ha the, the, to be happy, according to the dictionary, it's an adjective. Now, I want you to look at the, the, thinking about what Solomon just wrote and thinking about how things go. We saw Francis Chan this weekend. How's this? 
no, no, no. He goes, well, what strange thing? He's like, he's like it's just, it's just, I'm, I'm trying to. I swear, I promise. We were there this weekend for both sessions he opened. He walks up. He's supposed to be preaching. And he goes, can we just pray? And he bows his head. And for, for three minutes, I promise, just dead silence. Just like that. Holding his head. And he just married his head. And it was great. And pa- he was driving Patrick crazy. He was like, can we, can we get on? I don't know. It's, it seems kind of just trying to. seems kind of simple to me. Happiness is an adjective. Happy is an adjective. It's not a, a substantial thing. It's a descriptive term, okay? And, and, and look at this in these definitions. Feeling or showing pleasure or contentment. Feeling, feeling. Feeling or showing contentment. Feelings go away, brothers and sisters. They don't hang. I bet some of you woke up this morning ready to take on the world. And right now at 12.03, you all are like, dude, I'm just so wore the heck out. I just don't even feel like doing nothing. Where is it? My bed. Am I right? Feelings come and go. Having a sense of confidence in or satisfaction with, and that's not the problem, but the things we find our satisfaction in, that is the problem. A person, a situation, an arrangement. All those things change, man. Every one of those things change. Look at the next one. Satisfied with the quality or standard of. How many of y'all know you can't, you get that, that brand new shiny whatever, after some use it starts to break down. And so you were happy with it to begin with, but now it's not gleaming quite so much, right? And stop thinking about your spouse right now, okay? And you laugh, but you guys know that's true. You were happy with that arrangement. You were satisfied at one point. Now today, you're, I'm not happy with my... I've had that in my office. I'm just not happy with them anymore. Let me alleviate some pressure for all of you guys. Your spouse cannot make you happy, and your spouse cannot keep you happy. If you're you're putting pressure on them to make you happy, you're barking up the wrong tree for real, because they just can't. They just can't. They can make promises that they can't keep. I'll be here forever. No, you won't. We're all going to die someday. Don't even make that promise. You know what I mean? I promise I'll provide for you. You don't know if the economy's going to drop out the floor tomorrow. I mean, you don't know. You can't, they can't live up to that. And if you're looking for them to do that, you are messing up your marriage from the very get-go. They cannot make you happy. They cannot keep you happy. Thank you for that one amen. Somebody's tracking with me, Patrick. Willing to do something. I hear this one all the time. Yeah, I'll be happy to do that for you, Pastor. And three months later, I'm not so happy doing this anymore. You should be with them kids in that hate box we call nursery. You know what I mean? I hear that all the time. Fortunate and convenient. I heard a guy say this weekend, we, the problem with us is we confuse comfort and happiness. We think everything's comfortable, all's good, right? See, God has a different idea for us. I'm going to ask you a question. Do you want to just be happy, a feeling? Don't worry. You know, you know Bobby McFerrin, somebody who can sing, sing. No, I'm just kidding. Be happy, right? Do you want to just merely feel happy, or do you want to possess something that's substantial? That's the question. Do you want, do you want to just merely have an emotion of happy, shiny, happy people? 
Or do you want to possess something that's real? That's the question. Because God doesn't offer us happiness. He offers us this thing called joy, which is completely another thing than being happy. It's completely possible to not be happy and still walk in joy. Did you know that? Many of us can't walk in joy because we're too concerned about being happy. Are you hearing me? Happiness, being happy is an adjective. Being joy, having joy, that's a noun. That's something substantial. That's something that can be grabbed a hold of. That's something that we can sink our teeth into. Joy, according to Scripture, is based on a couple of things. Number one, it's based on God's Word. Listen to these words from John 15, 11. We talked about them last month. John 15, 11 says, I told you, I've told you these things so that you will, f- you will f- be filled with joy. I'm sorry, I can't read my own handwriting. So you will be filled with joy. Your joy will overflow. And here's the context. Jesus is, about to, Jesus is telling his disciples that, it, that the world is about to collapse around them. I'm getting ready to take off, guys. Things are about to change, like here real soon. And he says, I've spoken these things to you that you might have joy and that your joy would overflow. See, he, he's going way beyond happiness now. You guys are kind of happy having me around, but I'm not going to be around anymore. I'm going to give you something better than happiness. I'm going to give you joy. Is that cool? Joy. Joy is based on, on the word of God. Do you know why joy can sustain you in different, to- different times? It's because this word is what brings it. This word is what joy comes from. The, the, the words of Jesus, the voice of God will bring joy. Just this week, the very first session when we, when we were gone, I, I sat in it, they, they opened with worship, and I, I don't even remember what the first song was. I have no idea. I can't tell you this day. And I remember standing there as the, the guy was kind of leading in prayer in between the, the first song and the second song, and I remember raising my hands towards heaven, and I said, Jesus, my mind was kind of captivated with the, the, the story of the prodigal son. I don't even really know why. I just got kind of there, and I... I just kind of felt like him for a minute. And Lord, I don't even feel worthy to be called your son. But I am so happy I would do anything to serve you. I really would. I start to bawl, and then I hear these kind of just this still small voice. But I'm glad to call you my son, and I melted. I don't deserve that in any way, shape, or form. But his word, and it was kind of weird because the next, he says something right next to the next, like, like about the prodigal, and I'm like, holy smoke, what is going on? God's speaking to me in the middle of 3,500 other church leaders and pastors, and he's talking about to me. And there was nothing, and right now, even this morning, I have, there is such joy in my heart to just to be his son. I don't even care right now at the moment if I'm a pastor or nothing. I just am glad to be a child of God because he loves me and it's awesome. His word does that. Another place that, that, that we find joy is from his spirit. In fact, the Bible tells in Galatians 5, and 23 that the fruit of the spirit is, you guys can say these with me like you did life, liberty, and the other thing, love, joy, and peace are the first three right off the top. Love, joy, and peace. Now, here's another reason. The Word of God is substantial because it's eternal. It does not shake with the wind, with the economy, with the political environment. It doesn't change. The Word of God doesn't change. But also, the Holy Spirit of God is God. And to go back all the way back a month ago, you could go get the message online about that, all right? 
who, who the Holy Spirit is. And because it's a product of being close to him, joy is eternal just like he is eternal. He does not change. Are you hearing me? And so here we have this idea that there's happiness, which is fleeting, but there is joy that's substantial, that's firm, that's eternal, because it's from the eternal word of God. It's from the spirit of God. Joy is something we can absolutely grab a hold of and bank on. In Romans 14, 17, that's the wrong thing on the screen. It says 11, unless Thomas says, Thomas, change it. You are the man. In your notes, it's wrong. That's my bad. I was rehashing this morning before coming to church, and I realized I put the wrong reference on there. It says in there that that that. The kingdom is not found in what we eat or what we drink. Here's the idea of that piece of scripture. The church was aggravated with itself. I cannot believe them people call themselves believers and are eating that kind of meat. Can you believe what they're drinking? What in the world are they doing? And it just had this whole thing. And a lot of their, their happiness was leaving about where they were worshiping, where they were worshiping, because there was this whole thing going on around about these religious ideas. And everybody was like, eh, I don't know what. And Paul, and Paul goes, dude, that, that, that stuff, you're not going to find. The kingdom of God is more than just temporary stuff. That's what he's saying. It's bigger than food or drink. It's bigger than all that. It, life in the kingdom, he goes on to say, is righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Ghost. That's what he says. So if you're in the kingdom of God, there's three things you ought to have in your life. You ought to have righteousness, which means you're in right relation with your Father, and that's where joy and peace runs out of. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You want joy. You don't want, look at me. I'm, I'm going to do, do the Jedi mind trick on you. Okay, you ready? Say no to happiness. Say yes to joy. Now, now do it with me. I want happiness. No, no, I don't want happiness. Do that. I don't want happiness. I'll take joy. See, come on. Come on. Play with me, all right? I don't want happiness. You guys are a mess. There you go. You guys are like, you guys are like, I don't, Aaron, that's really hard for me to get. I do want to be happy. But you know what? I appreciate that too because you know what? That's just being real. Don't say, don't do something in church because everybody else is doing it. Be real. Be authentic. Be who you are because God made you that way. And if, if, something, if, if something hurts, say ouch. If you're like, I'm not so sure about it, be like, dude, I'm not so sure about that. Well, read the Bible. Now, that doesn't settle it. You know what I mean? I, I, you, you do not, I'm telling you, you don't want happiness. You want joy. I'm telling you right now, you don't want happiness. You want joy. And you may not be convinced of that right now, but I'm telling you, that's what you want. It's also, it's life in the kingdom, but also it, it, it is what will sustain us in suffering. James 1, 2 says this, count it, reckon yourself joyful. Choose joy even in tribulation. He says, choose it. Joy will get you through difficult times, and you are not guaranteed a cakewalk. Zero of us are. None of, and I don't care what the preacher said on TV about the, you know, the 17 keys to your prosperity or whatever. I don't care about that. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, in this world, you will have trouble. But be of good cheer, Jesus said. I overcome the world. I bank on that one, man. I worked at a Christian bookstore for several years, and I got all those Bible promise books. I never found John 16, 33 in one. Now, all the stuff about being happy and all being in all that, that was all there, I promise. But I never saw one of those nice leather gilded pages, nice gift books. John 6, Jesus promises us a hard time. You don't see that one. But it's in there. 
He promises he'll be with us. He promises us victory. He promises us that through suffering, he'll give us joy. Hallelujah. But let's contrast them here for a minute. Happiness versus joy. Happiness is circumstantial and concerned with creature comforts. You're not happy with the baked potato they brought back from the kitchen at the restaurant because it's too cold. That's something personal in my own life. I'm sorry. Happiness is circumstantial and concerned with creature comforts. Joy is scriptural. Get this. And, in, and encountered through consecration. Psalm 40, verse 8 says, I take joy in doing your will, my God, for your instructions are written on my heart. My wife showed me this piece of scripture, thought she found something brand new this week. And she's like, dude, check this out. And she's like, show me your phone, because she's got her Bible on her phone. She's like, we're sitting in the conference, look at this. I know that's in my sermon on Sunday. No, it's not. I said, yeah, it's right there. It's there. It's already there. It's confirmation for me. Thank you, babe. On the right track. I delight in doing Some of you are without joy, without happiness. You know why? Because God told you to do something, and you're still kicking and bucking about doing it. And, 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 and life is being just destroyed inside of you because you're, you're being obstinate. Listen, you want joy? Step up to the plate, brother, and get to it. Some of you are not doing things. I'm not even talking about God speaking to you, you know, personally. I'm talking about you know stuff that's in this Bible that talks to you about certain things, like maybe forgiving your neighbor or paying your bills on time or stuff like that, and you're kicking, you're kicking and screaming, I don't want to do that, or tithing. Just put something in there. You know what it is. And, 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 and you, you will find joy when you begin to operate in this word and determine to live a life of holiness and consecration to God. I promise I promise. Happiness is convenient. But let's check this out. Joy is strength. Nehemiah 8.10, you'll find these amazing words. This is a sacred day before our Lord. And see, we start, you got, I said the word sacred, and in most of your minds, you, you saw this. Be solemn, be quiet, be sad, because you're at church. And the sun's shining outside, and the NFL is getting ready to come on at 1 o'clock. Joy is strength. He said, sacred day for the Lord. Don't be dejected and sad. Listen to these next words. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. And they were sitting there in Jerusalem. It had been destroyed, burnt up. They had rebuilt the walls. They were just reconvening temple worship and things didn't look like it used to and all that stuff. And he says, listen, don't get, up, don't get uptight about that. God's still God. Choose joy today. We're together as a people. Let's roll. That's what Nehemiah is saying. Dude, there was this guy that preached. On, 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 I probably just got a little bit on me, didn't I? There was this guy named Dr. Eric Mason. Dude, he blew up the stage on, on, on Friday morning. Did he not? And he was straight from the hood, I promise. And he, 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 he dropped down some, he would even say that. He dropped some serious theology on us, man, and it had the place rocking. It was awesome. Awesome. Had a, I mean, he was dressed to the, had two earrings in both ears. Boy, he, I mean, he just, just blew the stage up with Jesus, man. It was awesome. Solid theology, works in the inner city of Philadelphia. You want, you want, you want something to pray about? I don't have time. I'm going to say it anyway. Philadelphia, 
a million, a million, million, one, the biggest, the biggest religion in the city of Brotherly Love, where we held our Constitution convention and all that stuff, where the documents were signed, all that. One million Muslims. One million Muslims. Ninety percent of the babies born in Philadelphia are born to single-family home situations. That's the ones that get born. Ninety percent of pregnancies that start in Philadelphia end up being aborted. Ninety. Ninety percent. So the guy got to, he gets like, you want to talk about ministry? We'll talk about ministry. I got a place where you can do some ministry. We need joy. We're going to make through that kind of stuff. Joy is, uh, happiness is convenient, joy is free. Happiness is fleeting, but joy is enduring. Psalm 30, verses 4 and 5 says, Sing to the Lord all you godly ones. Praise his holy name, for his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. I love this next line. Weeping may last through the night, but check out what comes in the morning. Joy comes in the morning. Woo! Y'all aren't getting it. Joy, I'm talking about God overtaking your soul with his goodness and his greatness and his faithfulness, that it doesn't matter what happens, you, it will endure through time and trial. Some of you have been, been, you've been attempting to catch happiness all your life. We attempt to catch happiness. But you know what happens? Joy captures us. It's something we become captured with. Matthew 13, 44, Jesus is talking about the kingdom, just like Paul was talking about in Romans 14. He's talking about the kingdom. He says, the kingdom of God is like this. Like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement or his joy, one translation says, he held it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Joy crept into his heart and it took over. He did things he wouldn't have done before. It kind of changed his whole life. Joy crept in from the relationship with God and things got altered. Things got changed. It captured his attention. It captured his life. If you're trying to serve God out of just rote duty and things like that, that's why you have no joy. Get, get captivated with the love and the grace of God and then joy will just be a natural outflow. You won't be serving God because you have to. You will serve God because you get to, because it's awesome, because he loves you, and you know it. Gee whiz. I want, I'm just telling you right now, I, I want me some of that. I just do. I just want some of that. That it don't matter what happens tomorrow with the stock market. Who gives a Darn. I was trying to think of an appropriate godly word. I'm just kind of fired up. What happens to it tomorrow? Who cares? God's still on the throne and he loves me. He's got it. Who cares what happens with your neighbor over the back door who keeps letting his dogs come and poop in your yard? Who cares? You know what I mean? Who cares what that person at work that can't run the machine right? Who cares? God's still on the throne. I want me some of that. Huh? Because that's what Jesus gives. And here's the deal. We can spend all day trying to seek happiness. But joy is not something we chase. It's something that we, we find as a, as, a, as a result of our pursuit of the person of Christ. The one thing happiness had right was it was founded in a person. Only one person can supply it. His name is Jesus. His name is God, our Heavenly Father, and the Holy Spirit of God. That is it. In Philippians 4, Paul writes these words in encouragement. He says, always be full of joy in the Lord. And he said, I'll say it again. Rejoice, question mark, or question mark. Yeah, rejoice? 
So some of you are like, dude, okay. You've been doing it all morning at me. Rejoice, really? Joy? Let everyone see that you are considerate in all that you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. That should be a cause for great joy. Some of you, I said, those, the, the Lord is coming soon. And most of you go, oh, crud. No, that's a time for joy, buddy. Everything you always want is about to transpire, man. No more disease, no more sickness, no more sorrow, no more tears, no more of that stuff. Dude, that'll be right now. You'll be like, yeah. That'll be a reason to rejoice. Quest, not question mark, exclamation point. Some of you guys are going, rejoice, really? Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done, that you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. Give me some of that. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Here's the point. Choose Jesus, because in choosing Jesus, you will choose joy. If you don't know Christ today, the first step, the very first step in getting this right is coming to the person of Christ. There's no other way, no other truth, no other life. No other way to get to this. None. He died for you that you might live. He lives today so you won't die. Is that cool or what? You can't, you, you, you can't beat that. He lives today so you can live in eternity in heaven with God the Father. Today where you sit, if you don't know Christ, you can know him. And it's as simple as this. Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. You know what you have to do to be saved? This is as simple as it is. I promise it's as simple as it is. Look at that person next to you and go, dude, I totally believe that. I mean it from your heart. Dude, it's a done deal. Believe in your heart. Confess. I, there's, no, there's no secret formula of prayer that gets it done. There's no chance. Oh, you know, you know. There's none of that. Believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth. It's a done deal. We're done talking. For those of you who are Christians, let me, let, me, let me encourage you a little bit. You're without joy. You know why? Because you're costing over. You let fear grab your heart. Don't worry. Be joyful. Change, change the song. Don't worry. Be joyful. Be thankful. Today, wherever you sit, if you're not experiencing joy, Jesus has to give it to you. Believer, not a believer. Saved, not saved. Sanctified, not sanctified. Jesus is the place. He's it. Stand with me. You know, if we walk in joy, let me challenge you. Let me ask you where you are. Let me ask you where you are for a minute. Where are you right now in this equation? Are you been seeking happiness? You got that promotion. It didn't work out like you thought it was going to. You bought that house. Now you're in debt over your, over your head, and you're like, dude, I thought I was going to be happy, but I'm not. You, you got that. You chased that guy or that girl, and you got them. Now you're stuck. I'm just being real. You can laugh. But I see this every day of my life, I promise. You gonna choose joy? There was there there was a, a lady. I'm gonna. There was a lady that that, that that was talked about while we were. Francis Chan knows. Check this out. This lady was a born again follower of Christ. She had a husband who was an alcoholic, crazy, out of control, and she didn't find any scriptural way she could get out of the relationship. She was very unhappy. You know, she started to pray. Francis said this. She began to pray that God would kill him. And he did. 
He became a new creature in Christ. <laughs> the old man died. What was their names? I can't remember. Alfonso or something was the guy's name. I don't remember. And uh, they got, she was following Christ. He got saved finally. You know what happened? They, they, took, they took James 1.27 literally and found God's will in that, in that piece. Of, and they began to adopt and foster care kids. Oodles of them. And now at the age of 60-something, they've taken 10 more kids in their house. Full of joy. She said, it's not been easy, but we're doing what God called us to do. That's what Francis told us. He was looking for it at the bottom of a bottle. She thought she could find it in a husband. And all that came up empty. But they found it in the person of Christ. And now their life is what it's supposed to be. Not easy, not comfortable, not convenient, but bless God, walking in joy, walking in peace. Christian, today, listen to me. God has joy for you. Not a follower of Christ, God has joy for you. He has joy over you even. He rejoices in knowing right now at this moment that you're even contemplating the kingdom. You're contemplating his son. It brings joy to his heart. Christian, listen to me. If, you're eva- if your, your joy is evaporated, get back to the Word of God and find out what He's saying. Get back to the will of God. Get back to connection with the Holy Spirit of God. Get back to saying, you know what, I'm choosing to, to reckon myself joyful even in tribulation and not being looking at my circumstances and not looking at my arrangements and not looking at my spouse and not looking at all that stuff. I'm looking at the person of Christ. Right now, where you sit, if you're like, dude, I just need some joy, I want you to do something. I want you to get it from the only fountain that comes out of. I want you to look up towards heaven. I want you to lift up your hand and like, like you're in the classroom and go, Jesus, here I am. If you got some of that, I'll take it. Right now where you sit. Jesus, you see the lives of people sitting here. Some of them desperately need you. They've never walked with you before, God. And Lord, I pray, Jesus, in their heart, they would know that your kingdom is real, that your son is the son of God, that, Lord, your grace is sufficient for them, and that, God, they'd come to know you. And God, you pour great joy into their heart. God, for those who have been following you, but they've been basing everything that's fulfilling and satisfying on temporal things and stuff that doesn't make any sense on their spouse or their job or their home or their notoriety with the people at work or whatever it might be. God, I pray, Jesus, today you'd pour into them new joy. God, I pray, Father God, they would, they would turn to you and reconsecrate themselves to the calling and the purposes of God, to the word of God, Lord Jesus. I pray, Father, Holy Spirit, you would do your work in their lives. You, you, you'd supply joy to them right now where they sit. Not happiness, God, not just a mere feeling, an emotional thing, but God, something deep-seated, something eternal, God. God, you see their hands, you see their lives, you see, you see their hearts, God, and you know the ache that's on the inside, and Lord, I pray you'd meet them right where they are. Jesus, show yourself strong. Right here, right now, Lord. Where you sit, just make something real between you and Jesus. See, I can't do all the praying for you. I can't give you the right words. The Bible says God looks for what comes out of the heart. And right now, you know if you've been chasing. Some of you just need to repent right now. You want joy? The Bible, Paul Peter told, told people to repent at the times refreshing might come. Some of you know you've chased happiness more than you've chased Jesus. You know that. And you're sour and you're tore up and you're tired and you're exhausted and there's nothing happy about your life and you know it. 
even though you've chased it with all your might, right now, just say, Jesus, I've done that. And throw your hands up to heaven and go, Jesus, here I am. I am I'm surrendering. I'm resurrendering to you. Some of you, God's called you to fulfill a ministry, and you're just you're kicking and screaming about it. Sitting still, and there's no joy, and there's no hope, and there's nothing anybody else would want in your life because you know you're not doing what God wants. Make a commitment today. You're going to change that. Jesus, show yourself strong to your people. Holy Spirit of God, sweep in with your hope and your strength. Or we trust you. We honor you and we love you, God. Let our love for you supersede every other love in our lives, Jesus. You're great and you're amazing, Right now where you sit, I just feel compelled to do this. I can do this in the first service. If you're like, man, I just need some joy, just put your hand up in the air. This is not, you know, not doing anything. I don't want anybody who doesn't want that to raise their hand. Be real. Just because your neighbor did it don't mean you have to or that you should. Now, Jesus, look here, Jesus. These are like Peter stepping out of the boat, asking you to meet them. Jesus, do that now. Do it now, Jesus. Pour into them the joy of the Holy Spirit of God. Pour into them the joy of knowing you. Restore to them, Jesus, the joy of your salvation like Psalm 51 talks about. God, pour into them, Jesus, all that they have need of. Show yourself to them, Lord. Let love, joy, and righteousness and peace be theirs right now, God. Thank you, God, for doing that. Now reach out by faith and grab it. Grabbing it. You offer it, Jesus. I'll take it. Lord, we love you and we trust you. And we look to you, God, in the great and awesome name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Our, our, prof, our prophetic team will be standing up here. If need some extra prayer, need some encouragement where these things are concerned, let them pray with you, pray over you, the rest of you. Just real quick, I felt, I'm sitting here, I felt like um, this is just going to be confirmation to somebody. So if, it, if, you, if you have to say, oh, I wonder if that's me or not, it's probably not you, but if it just gets you, you're going to know it's you. God has asked somebody in here to start a Bible study He's been, he's been, I guess, wooing you, asking you to start a Bible study at, at your workplace, and you've been fighting it. And God said that as soon as you step out and do that, that's when you're going to find true joy. And you're, you're questioning, I can't do that. I don't know enough about the word. He will give you the words to speak as you step out and do it. Grab that. I'll take me some of that. You know who you are. Here's the thing. God saves us not to sit inside a church building. He doesn't give us joy just so we can enjoy it. He gives us joy so it can splash over on other people. As you get ready to march out those back doors, don't march out of the presence of Jesus. Take his joy. Take his grace. Take his peace. Take his truth and walk it right out there with you. And you, you don't stop. This is where serving starts. The service is about to end, but real service starts as you walk out those back doors. Real worship to Jesus starts the second your feet hit the pavement out there on the, on the sidewalk or out there in the parking lot.
That's when it happens. Let God's blessing and his strength be yours in the great and awesome name of Jesus. Let joy follow you wherever you go. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll be here praying. I'll take it.